Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, And I think we all owe you an apology because last week we said Arizona, like we guaranteed Arizona was going to beat NAU. And um, yeah, Arizona did not beat NAU. Um, <laughs> so that happened. Like Arizona, 21-19 was the final. It was NAU's first win over Arizona since the 30s. Um, and they don't play every year. So it's not like it was a 90-game winning streak or anything like that. So it's not that bad, but no, it's, it was really bad. Um, there's, there's no excuse for losing to NAU. It's just that simple. I mean, it's NAU that got blown out by Sam Houston State and South Dakota. Granted, who are both good FCS schools, but, oh, boy. You know, <laughs> there's something, uh, there's something comforting about knowing that once you've literally hit rock bottom you can bounce and then it'll all be up from there but we thought <laughs> rock bottom was the asu game last year you know and I, three weeks ago or what was it two weeks ago Arizona was coming off the byu game we felt pretty decent about them like yeah they played fairly well against a, a ranked b now ranked byu team right arizona looked competent I'm like oh that if they can play like that and there's no reason we had we had the conversation the discussion is what they did well sustainable? Is that repeatable? And we thought it was. Then they come out at home and lose to San Diego State in a game that wasn't close, but it's you could pass off and say, hey, San Diego State's actually, they're pretty good too. You know, Arizona had a bad game, whatever. They're going to beat NAU. And, yeah, you said this was an NAU team that lost to, you know, got blown out by some other teams. It could be an NAU team, like the best NAU team in program history. Arizona should still beat them. And I understand the talent level is not where it needs to be to compete and to win at a high level. And I understand that Arizona is not good enough to play okay or even less than good and beat decent teams. But Arizona did not lose a turnover battle in this game. You know, Arizona's defense was pretty good, and they just did not make plays offensively. And, yeah, they almost had a chance at the end. Jordan McLeod came in, let it drive that, got him a touchdown, needed the two-point conversion. They did not get it. And the weird horrible onside kick pooch attempt, which I don't understand what was happening there. It didn't work. It, it shouldn't have come to that. Arizona said it last week. Arizona on a bad day should beat NAU on any day. Yeah. So, I mean, San Diego state did go and beat Utah, which makes us feel a little better about that, that loss, but, but, but it's followed up know, by NAU. It, if Arizona beats NAU, yeah, say, yeah they lost well, to two it, good teams. NAU is not a good team, not a team Arizona should lose well, to. No. And it, and the things that are most concerning 
in my mind. Um, they still can't run the lineup and run the ball against NAU, which they should be able to. Yeah. Um, some of that is maybe scheme. Some of it is talent. Some of it is play calling. It's probably all of those things rolling into one. And Arizona really in that game found ways to lose to an inferior team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was thinking about it this week where I know I, you know, I kind of anticipated, um, you know, the, some of the apologist commentary around like Arizona's talent level is not where it needs to be. Like you said, and I agree, but also it's not, it's 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 not a comparable talent situation. If er, this year's Arizona roster is playing NAU's roster, Arizona's roster should have and does have more talent, mm -hmm. uh, which is what is perhaps the most frustrating, confusing thing. Like Arizona should have been able to um, line up and run nine out of ten plays as halfback dives and win that game. <laughs> like, yeah. not try to be cute. Just literally be like. We are bigger and better. We're going to make sure we don't lose this game. Here's what we're going to do. The defense, to your point, performed fairly well. Um, the defense has not been the problem. Uh, even Will Plummer had was looking good until it looked he looked real bad. And the the I I'm still not convinced that the <laughs> I can't quite put my finger on what of the three of the offensive line, quarterback play, or coaching slash play calling is the tr the biggest plurality of the root cause of the you know ineptitude of the offense i know like there's and i and i think the reality is that's probably all sorts of those things rolled up into one you know um but doesn't make me feel any better at the moment i, I put coaching third on that list because to some yeah, i disagree with because that. i well no? okay so you have an idea of where you put them you know <laughs> but the, the reason i say that is because I do think the coaching, like quarterback play, we knew was going to be a question mark coming into the season. Like that was that was a fact. Like that was we knew that, and the hope was that someone would step up, and clearly no one has. And the fact that Will Plummer, like, I mean, I'm not sold that Will Plummer could be the starting quarterback of this team, but he should have had an easy day against NAU, right? Like the pick six was inexcusable. It was late. He telegraphed it. That's not something that should happen. Like Arizona didn't get off to a great start offensively, but it was a 13 nothing game, and Arizona had the ball with decent field positions to try to put more points on the end at the end of the first half, they get to, they get a touchdown or whatever. They should have had more points than 13 at that time. Like their red zone issues are still a thing, but even if you don't get a touchdown on that trade, even if you end up punting NAU wasn't moving the ball at all, you give them a pick six. Now it's a one score game. You know, you're giving them life. And then the other interception in the second half was not a play. Like, he didn't need to make that throw. It was just a bad read and a bad throw. And then of course he misses guys like, Gunnar Cruz, for all his faults, he wouldn't throw the ball, but when he threw the ball, he was fairly accurate. Will Plummer was his usual inaccurate self in this game. So when you pair the bad decision-making, but where I put number one is the offensive line because absolutely, like Arizona's running game was pathetic. Like they could not open up holes and get that going, and that's how you beat NAU, by not having to throw the ball 30 times. You know, you shouldn't have to do that. And, you know, I was thinking after the game because it's like we've mentioned how the Arizona offensive line two seasons ago was pretty good. You know, and all of a sudden last year they were abysmal, and then this year they're like maybe even worse. And then I wonder how much of the offensive line's success had to do with the fact that they had a running quarterback. You know, when you have a Khalil Tate back there, it makes every other everything is a lot easier to run the ball when you have a quarterback who can do that. You know, as you see in the NFL, the Ravens they can put any running back back there; it doesn't matter who it is. You have Lamar Jackson; there's going to be holes in the running game. You know, this is that extra guy out there that teams have to account for. Without that being the case. 
Maybe that was helping to shield the talent or the lack of talent on the offensive line. But even then, yeah, these are still Pac-12, technically Pac-12 offensive linemen who should be able to line up against NAU who, I guess, you know, maybe Arizona three stars can win games. Who knew? But like, like Arizona should be able to go out there, just line up, and without having to scheme their way to a victory, beat NAU, which is why I can't play on the coaching staff. Like, coaching staff shouldn't matter. And that's where it's in the trenches. That's where the offensive line could not open up holes for Michael Wiley, for Drake Anderson, for Jalen John. They couldn't do it consistently, and it put the game on Will Plummer's shoulder, and that is not a recipe for success. It's just not. Yeah, so I guess my challenge with the, the scheme and coaching, though, is like a lot of times – and we've seen it so far through three games where the Jed Fish offense is trying to use the, the wide receiver screen pass essentially as a, a a horizontal running game kind of situation, mm-hmm. right? But even then, I know it's been talked about by like Michael Lev and Justin Spears at the Arizona Daily Star, where it's like you got Tavion Cunningham trying to block a linebacker, and that's like what what that that's putting guys in a position that's not to not set up to succeed, and it's and it's and it's questionable. But so if that granted, was the bulk I, of their offense, it's not. It's not the bulk of their offense. It's a play here and no. there, and uh, guys are open. You know, you watch the game. There's I mean, receivers open downfield. Quarterbacks, both Gunnar Cruz and now Will Plummer, don't get them the ball. I mean, the quarterbacks, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the quarterbacks to date have been exactly what we expected out of them, which was Gunnar Cruz is going to be the guy that wasn't going to lose you game, but he's the game, but he wasn't going to win you the game. Will Plummer had the chance for the big play, but was also the most prone to to throw interceptions. And Jordan McLeod just got here too late. You think to, if Cruz starts against is. NAU, Arizona wins that game? Because I saw I think Michael Lev had it where there are like 28 dropbacks where Plummer had a clean pocket. You give Gunnar Cruz a clean pocket, he has time to pump fake to his heart's delight, and he'll find a receiver open. <laughs> you know? Because like, that's, that's the guy who doesn't really turn the ball. I mean, he threw an interception against BYU, a crushing one. He had one against San Diego State where it was slightly behind the receiver lines who went off his hands but Gunnar Cruz is a better passer than Will Plummer we know that like guy if guys are opening yeah. it's time to throw do you think Gunnar Cruz wins that game I kind of do and if that's the case then maybe I could put it on coaching for making that move but also I understand because I, Gunnar Cruz wasn't exactly lighting it up against San Diego State their quarterback situation is bad it's bad I think that's I think that's an interesting question Adam because I think you're probably right for the NAU game but I would also conversely say uh, in a week when Arizona's playing Oregon, not that there's a realistic chance of them winning the game. If you want a puncher's chance, I think Will Plummer is your chance against a better opponent because he's more yeah. mobile, but he's also more likely to ruin the game, which is where <laughs> you're kind of stuck in the conundrum of if you're this coaching staff, what do you do? Um, honestly, of the three, I think I put the quarterbacks at third. I think the O-line and coaching concern me more. And also the O-line, to your point, where you know we talked about it with Michael Lev a few weeks ago, where this is largely the same offensive line of a couple of years ago that actually overperformed and was pretty decent and that was pretty bad last year. Um, they're they're pretty bad this year, but in a weird if you look at if you believe Pro Football Focus, um, you know the main offenders from last year, i.e. Peyton Fears and Josh Donovan, are the guys that are grading out the highest, and part of that might be that Donovan Lay and Jordan Morgan are playing hurt. And there's there's not enough, you know, if there's one thing we were concerned about, especially on the O-line, was that there wasn't a ton of depth. Um, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. I don't know. If, I don't know if you saw Adam, but Edgar Barola also put mm-hmm. himself in the transfer portal, who was, you know, I guess we're all Peyton Fears fans now uh, <laughs> because he's definitely starting to uh, tackle for the rest of the season. If Edgar Barola is gone, um, you know, the, the one if you want to 
try to squint hard and look at positive things from this game. You know, we say that they're not running the ball effectively, and this is where it's like I kind of come back to the coaching question. Drake Anderson had six yards of carry. Jalen John had 7.4 yards of carry, and they had 12 and 5 carries respectively, and they're still finding ways to, ways to lose the game, right? Oh, statistically, um, Arizona was better. Like, d- oh, they didn't yeah, give up much they yards. They don't, I mean, the defense only gave up 14 points. You know, like it's not like the defense had a bad game. Like they gave up one drive, I think. I don't even remember if it was a long drive. Like they had the short fields that they gave up touchdowns on, but the defense as a whole was okay. Like even yeah, the touchdown drive that any you had to kind of put it away was a sixty-yard drive. It wasn't exactly the longest of drives. So the defense, and of course, Mo Diallo got ejected, which was very questionable. That didn't help them. Jackson Turner got ejected. That wasn't questionable. He did, he was targeting like that one. I agreed with, but. Even with all that, right, Arizona should win that game. And that's what I keep coming back to. We can look and say, you know, if you look at the stats, Drake is like, it doesn't matter. They Because if Arizona would have won the game like we said they were going to, they could put up the best stats and we were just saying it doesn't matter. So in a loss, it especially doesn't matter other than the fact that how come these stats weren't even better. Drake Anderson should have been averaging eight yards a carry. Jalen John should have been averaging like And consistently. Yeah. How many times was like, okay, they get an eight-yard run, and the next one they'd get one or two. Like, they did not get a consistent push, and I'll put that on the offensive line. I will. And I wonder, too, you were at the game, Brad, and I'm so sorry for you for that one. Like, <laughs> I know you dragged your new wife there, and I hope she's still your wife after subjecting her to that. But I do wonder how much of this is still maybe the issue of no one respects the Arizona passing game, and if guys are stacking, if teams are stacking the box and saying, we're going to dare you to beat us with your arm because you can't do it. And I, I get it, this is still NAU. This isn't BYU. This isn't San Diego State. This is a team that it shouldn't matter what they did to Arizona. Arizona should be able to line up and play exactly the way NAU wanted them to and still beat them just on talent alone. But I wonder how much of it is that. I think I think it's partly that. I mean, to be fair, Arizona scored on <laughs> taking advantage of a one-on-one coverage on the outside where Booby Curry got by NAU's corner. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a great play, particularly like on Booby Curry or the or Will Plummer throwing it. No, it was just that's what should happen when up until the pick six, Arizona was like they weren't yeah. putting up the points that you expected them to, but they were dominating the game. And NAU like the interceptions they had were just silly interceptions. They were getting I think they fumbled about twice in one drive. Like in every like one play they fumbled, got it back, and then two plays later, Arizona like, recovered another fumble. Like NAU looked like NAU should look. Arizona looked like a bad Arizona team should look against NAU. You know, not necessarily clean and dominant, but winning the game handily. And then the pick six happened. But but that's where I would also say that the pick six shouldn't have even been that much of a deciding factor. No, it shouldn't have been. The the one-on-one beats on the outside like Booby Curry had should have been happening more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just handing the ball off and just having sustained drives should have been happening more. Going Mm -hmm. for it on fourth down when you're up 14 to nothing should have happened rather than like, like if if we're really concerned about pinning NAU's offense against our defense near the goal line to to score points, that's a problem. I mean, I know Arizona's offense has only scored 16 points a game so far, uh, 18 and a half if you count points that we scored for the other team with pick sixes. But you know, there's it it, it feels like the, the the entire roster up to and maybe mostly Jed Fish has already lost some of that that gumption or swagger that they had against BYU where they said, yeah, you know what? We're going to go get these two yards and they get, and then they go do it. Um, and like this, this was a game where Arizona lost the game more than NAU won it. Agreed. In my opinion. Right. 
um, like Arizona found creative, new and creative ways to, to somehow screw this up, uh, right up until, uh, the, the two point conversion where apparently Jordan McLeod made a change of the call at the line and the tight end didn't hear it. And Jed Fish talked about that in the press conference. Um, but also again, if you're Arizona having to go two yards, do you, do you really need to do a check down to get two yards against Northern Arizona University? If you can't run the, the ball, yes. I, and, and that's what it came down to is that all those things, but everything you said is absolutely true. And the problem is, like, <laughs> that's okay when it's against San Diego State because they're pretty good, we've seen. And it's okay when it's against BYU, but that can't happen against NAU. Like, those things should not be issues against, no matter how bad. Like, was the recruiting been that bad under Kevin Sullivan? And. We'll ask Matt Moreno about this in a little bit, actually. We're going to have him on the show because one of our favorite uh, U of A insider guests is kind of – I'm curious because we could say there are certain things that Arizona and the coaching staff should be doing in terms of to maybe maximize the talent they have, but they're also kind of stuck in that place where they're trying to implement a system too. You know, it's like do you sacrifice the long-term progress for minimal short-term gain because you know you're not going to be good this season anyway. So like, that's a question I have. We'll ask Matt Moreno of GlazyCats.com that after this break. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act... That sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And we are glad to be joined by Matt Moreno at GoEasyCats.com. Matt, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so, Appreciate it. <laughs> We wish it was under better circumstances. I know the last time we talked to you was during fall camp, and none of us were saying Arizona was going to be a very good team. None of us were saying, oh, watch them be a bowl team. But it was like there was some reason for optimism. You know, the defense looked like it might be better. There's guys like Stanley Berryhill who were looking really good, Tavian Cunningham, and certain individuals have looked good. Berryhill, of course, he's translated that into the season. But Arizona is now 0-3, and losing to BYU, that was expected. Losing to San Diego State, in hindsight, Totally understandable. They're a pretty good team. But then losing to NAU. And no matter how you might want to try to say, yeah, well, it's okay that they lost this game. It's okay they lost that game. There's no way to pass off the NAU loss as even remotely acceptable, right? I, I try to be generally more optimistic, I think, than most you know fans or reporters. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I can't find an excuse, that a valid excuse for losing to NAU under any circumstances. I just I just don't think there is one. Um, when you're Arizona, a Power Five program, a Pac-12 program, there's just I just don't see any any way possible that you should be losing to to NAU under any circumstances. And you know that happened, and 
surprising to me. I think everybody, I don't know that there's anybody outside of Flagstaff that said NAU ha- even has a chance to win that game. I think everyone said, you know, that's one of those games where you're looking, if Arizona happens to lose to BYU and San Diego State, they at least are going to break that losing streak against NAU. That was the game that, you, I at least I thought, you know, that's going to be the reset button game. You get back to, to what you want to be and you start to look at things a little bit more positively, get feeling a little bit more positive if you're Arizona. And then you kind of build from this point on. You head into Pac-12 play. You obviously have the the tough game against Oregon coming up. Um, but I think you feel a lot better about just everything. You get that weight off your shoulders if you're Arizona of that losing streak. And you can kind of just, you know, begin begin the official start over process under Jed Fish. But now uh, that San Diego State game felt very familiar, I said, uh, to some people. It just felt like, hey, this is this feels like last year in a lot of ways in that San Diego State game. And um, and then BYU just felt like, or the NAU game rather, felt like nothing I don't think I've ever experienced <laughs> where I was like, okay, they you, they get out to that early lead and you say, okay, I think, you know, they're going to get things figured out. Here we go. Here's what we expected. They're going to start piling it on. And, you know, this game will be over here pretty soon. And then uh, that interception happens, the pick six, and you go, okay, this is maybe a little bit scary, a little bit dicey here for Arizona, but they'll figure it out. And then as the game went on, I said, this might happen. This might be a game that Arizona loses. And then you said, oh, no, this is definitely a game that Arizona is going to lose. And then you get that little bit of hope at the end with Jordan McLeod coming into the game and potentially having a chance to tie it. But um, Arizona didn't deserve to win that game. NAU deserved to win that game. And uh, that's just it was just I don't see any way that anybody can make sense and say that's a that's an excusable win in any any fashion for for Jed Fish and this team. So so, Matt, I uh I drove down from Phoenix to watch that game, and I, I spent some time thinking about a curated list of a series of three questions I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, answer them in any order. Uh, they are, what the hell, why, <laughs> and oh dear God, why? <laughs> no, those. That, that, I mean, you don't actually have to answer those, <laughs> but uh, but they they express my true feelings. Um, maybe all of those can can be. Uh, best summed by what what I really want to ask you, because I think the root cause personally that I'm focusing on, everybody's focused on the quarterbacks. I'm mostly concerned about the offensive line. Um, some of the guys that we saw last year that struggled seem to actually, you know, if you believe pro football focus, have been performing better. And then some of the guys that we were counting on to be to be productive, you know, maybe are playing hurt uh, in Donovan Lay and Jordan Morgan and they're not are not they seem to be more of the problem than the guys he would have expected uh today we got you know it's we're recording on September 22nd Edgar Brola put himself in the transfer portal one of the top seven linemen uh I guess I'm asking (laughs) how where does Jed Fish go for answers with how to solve the problems that are facing the offensive line and knowing that what little depth was there is is at least taking a hit with Edgar Brola leaving as someone who's watched every spring practice and every training camp practice, I can say I don't know. I mean, it's just it's it's not a great situation for Arizona. Losing Edgar Brola certainly hurts. He's someone who's at least been in the games a little bit. I believe he played one game this season. Um, but he's been someone that Brendan Carroll talked about during training camp as someone who really took some strides. He didn't play last season, ended up uh, getting suspended, and then you know just didn't play. And this this new staff was pretty impressed with how he – bounced back from that knowing he didn't play football for a while and, and got himself in really good shape and then could just never crack the rotation and become a, a solid piece. Josh Baker has clearly been the number six guy in this rotation. Uh, talking to Brendan Carroll earlier this week, he was asked, you know, do you are you going to expand your rotation at all? Do you want to try some different guys out? And he essentially said, we play five or six and 
Josh Baker's that sixth, and that's that's kind of our group. And so um, maybe that was the hint that something was going to be coming with Edgar Barola, and, and it's really been just those seven that they've really relied on mostly this season. And through all the injuries and through everything else, they've really kind of stuck to a pretty strict rotation really all over, which has been really interesting to me because you would think if there's one thing a new staff is willing to try and, um, you know, as it figures out what this roster looks like is to see who works and who doesn't, you know, see what they have just because uh, listening to Jed Fish, he knew this was going to be, you know, a rough season. And so I think for him, it's about building and, and, you know, getting information as, as much as he can throughout this process and figuring out, you know, what kind of team do I really have and, who can I trust in the future and maybe even later on, you know, in this season. But uh, they, the rotation overall, really at every position, has been pretty tight. There haven't been uh, a ton of guys playing a lot, you know, over the course of the season. But offensively uh, up front, um, everyone, I think that I've heard about that group more than anybody else so far this season. And everyone says there just has to be someone else that they can play, other guys that they can try. And just there just isn't. I think there's a big talent problem, you know, with that offensive line. I think the depth just isn't there. I think there's some good young talent, but that's a difficult position to play if you're a freshman or a second-year player to just come in and you know start contributing along the offensive line. It's really difficult to do. I think more difficult than most fans think it is. I think you can just you just say, hey, just go out there, and all you have to do is block somebody, and that's it. But it's a, there's a lot more that goes into it. I think the, the young guys will be good in time, but there's just not a ton of ready talent at this point, and that's what the transfer portal is going to have to be about for Arizona. They're going to have to go find some some players, not just bodies, but players that can really contribute next season. But obviously, still nine more games this year, and so you have to try to figure out how to make this group effective, and that'll fall on Brendan Carroll to really develop this group. But I think there have been a few positions where um, guys have just taken a step back, and I think that's maybe been the most stark thing about the offensive group this season is that there has been guys that have regressed under this coaching staff, which you don't want to see. Well. With that answer concerning me quite a bit, it probably even concerns the quarterback room even further and more so. Um, obviously, that's been probably the big story. What's your what's your read after three games and now having seen all of the top three guys get into games? What do you what do you think that is going through the coaching staff's minds collectively when they're thinking about what they want to do going forward? I think the first thing is, oh, no, <laughs> this is not what we wanted at all. I think they assumed, you know, one game in after seeing Gunnar Cruz have a, a solid showing against BYU. I think it was, OK, this is going to be the guy. I think I think they went into that second week into that San Diego State game saying this is this is our guy and this is who we're going to roll with the rest of the season. And then he just didn't look good. And then you go to Will Plummer, who looks pretty good. And then you give him the start and he kind of has the same scenario. And then you go to Jordan McLeod he kind of has the wheel plumber of San Diego State performance. And then you say, well, clearly he's the guy for this, you know, this next game against Oregon. But then Jed Fish throws Gunnar Cruz's name back out there in the press conference earlier this week and says, well, maybe we have to take another look at him. So um, I don't know that there's a clear answer. I think the player probably most deserving of the start this week is Jordan McLeod, simply because I think you need to see what you have from him. I think the situation benefits someone like him because you at the very least know that he's been through the battles. He has some experience. You're going into a road environment that can be pretty hostile. And do you want to throw, you know, a freshman out there who's played a handful of games? Um, and and those are your other two options. Those guys uh, are freshmen still technically by, you know, the, the eligibility rules and really in their development, they're freshmen. I mean, they haven't started a whole lot of games. So you have to figure out what direction you want to go. Um I, I don't I don't know. I don't have an answer for who's the best right now. I still think Will Plummer, there's a lot to like about him. I've always kind of said you're going to have to take the bad with the good. 
um, he's going to turn the ball over. You just know that it, he's done it, you know, at every level. He's done it in high school. Uh, he's done it in moments when he's had time to to play in games in college. And we saw it, you know, all through this offseason. Whenever he took a dip and whenever it, there was that thought of, hey, maybe he isn't the guy for the job, it was because of those turnovers. And sure enough, you know, against NEU, he had those turnovers. But he's also going to hit Booby Curry on a 49-yard pass play and have your big explosive play. So, and he's probably the best at that among those quarterbacks. So, it's it's kind of pick your poison with every every guy on that roster, uh, every quarterback that they have in terms of uh, being able to to play, and you have to kind of pick the lesser of all the evils. I think in this scenario, I don't think there's anyone that's really grabbed the job. Um, and but I still think you you have to throw Jordan McLeod out there and at least see what he can do because the sample size with him is just so small. You you say that, but is it? Do you have any concern of throwing him to the Wolves in Oregon when he's only been in, you know, in the program since fall camp? Um, I, 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 I guess I'm asking for your perspective on this because I, I would see that as I, I would like to see Jordan McLeod get snaps, but I almost wonder if that's setting yourself up to be in the same position with Jordan McLeod after game, you know, his game to, to start. Um, is that setting up to fail, or do you think they may try to see multiple quarterbacks by design against Oregon? I don't think that I don't think you can rule that out either. I do think that there's a really good chance that it's more than one guy. Um, I do think that Jordan McLeod at least gets at the very least gets some kind of opportunity more than, you know, what he's had leading up to this game. But um, I think they're really at a at a challenging point in this process because it, it's not where they want to be. And I and there's no clear answer. Um, I could kind of flip that around and say, if you go with Gunnar Cruz, when I think most of the fan base at this point based on what they saw in the last game, has decided that Jordan McLeod is the guy they all want to see. I think if you pull the fan base, I think that's who they would say right now because much like they decided that Gunnar Cruz was the guy going into the season because they already seen enough of Will Plummer last year, uh, now they've kind of, I think, have made their mind up about Gunnar Cruz and said, you know, we saw what he can do and we're not impressed. So, you know, Jordan McLeod is kind of the, the flavor of the week and that's who they all want to see. But so my thought process, if you then go to Gunnar Cruz when you know the whole fan base, is pulling for Jordan McLeod and Gunnar Cruz struggles, which, quite frankly, whoever you throw out there is probably going to struggle in this game. So it doesn't, it, it, it's not an easy answer. If you go back to Gunnar Cruz when everyone has their mind made up, uh, all the fan base has their mind made up about what he is as a quarterback and he struggles, you're in a difficult spot if you're Jed Fish and you're going to have to answer questions about That's that. Funny, so um, I, I really don't know what the answer is. I do think that, you know, Gunnar Cruz still has some positive things that he can do. I think he's capable of running this game plan and, you know, running this system very well, but you know, he he showed very clear struggles in those two games, and they're very, very similar performances. I mean, there's that tentativeness to you know get the ball out, and especially in that San Diego State game, I was watching some of the film that that we shot from the field, and there's just moments where he's double clutching and holding the ball for way too long, and you know, behind that offensive line. Coming back to your original point, you need someone who's going to work behind this offensive line and be able to make you know make things move, and so. I think if you look at the overall quarterback room, that's probably Will Plummer and Jordan McLeod. So it's just a difficult challenge to make, a uh, different difficult decision to make, a uh, challenging decision for for Jed Fish. And I don't know that there's a right answer. We won't know until game time. So that's where maybe to your point, there's some different guys that go out there. Maybe all three play. Who knows? I mean, Oregon I think is trying to figure it out themselves and saying they're going to prepare for all three. But you know, maybe that's the plan is to try and get all three guys out there and see what they can do. But Whoever ends up taking the snaps or whoever ends up, you know, staying in there longest, this is not an easy task going up against, you know, the Oregon defense. 
I imagine they're hoping that Noah Fafita can graduate a little bit early <laughs> and arrive on campus. But Matt Moran of GoEasyCats.com. I, we're talking about this, and one of the things that kind of you alluded to and I was wondering because I feel like if Jordan McLeod had been around as long, if he got here in you know spring, he's probably the most likely guy to be ready to play, right? He has experience. He's played at this level. He's had some level of success. He doesn't really turn the ball over. You have an idea of what you're going to get from him as long as he knows the offense. Whereas the other two guys were mysteries. And I, Jed Fish has been preaching patience all week, and I get that. I and mean, he needs to. It's going to be patience no matter what happened this season. But I wonder how many of these decisions they're making are based on the long term rather than the short term. Like, Brett and I were talking before you came on about some of the scheme maybe could be different to just maximize whatever talent they have, but maybe the scheme they're running is a scheme they want to run, you know, long term. So rather than not instill that or install that right now, they're just doing it with a talent that maybe doesn't fit it quite as much because their eyes on two years from now, three years from now, building this program where it's going to be then as opposed to just stealing a win or two now, knowing that this season's kind of a lost season anyway you know, record-wise. Like, is there any sense that the decisions they're making, maybe what they do at quarterback and just with play calling into the roster itself, it's their eyes are maybe on 2022, 2023, rather than getting the most out of 2021? I think that's definitely part of it. I think if you look at the offense so far, um, I think we talked about it last time you guys had me on, where I said I thought I had some concerns about the offense just because it was so so kind of lengthy. I mean, there was just, you talked about Will Plummer saying there's 200 plays they could run. I mean, they're obviously not going to, they're going to slim down the playbook every time they're getting ready for a new opponent. But to just have that amount of information that you have to kind of be able to, you know, pull back on anytime you want or anytime the coaching staff wants to pull out a play, you know, of those 200. I mean, that's a lot for a college athlete to learn. Uh, it's, like I said, it's a pro style system. They brought a pro style system co- to college football. There's kind of a reason that not every college does that, that everyone kind of has a very similar looking offense because it is a challenge. So I think there is something to that where, they understand that if they want to run, you know, the plan that they have right now, want to run the plays that they eventually, you know, feel most comfortable with, it's going to take some time for everyone to learn those, to get familiar with that. So it's going to be building on, you know, every week and building on what they're doing right now. And, you know, you're going to want everyone involved to kind of, um, you know, know the plays down the line. So I think there is some of that to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's just a very challenging situation. I think they really haven't been able to do very much of what they want in general. I think if you ask anybody who watched training camp, this offense looks very different from anything we saw during training camp. So it's it's very, it's been really interesting to see it because you say, well, I saw them running a lot of, you know, this play, this play, and this play, and you haven't really seen that yet. Um, maybe that's just a product of the situation, and, you know, they're playing behind in a couple games and just can't really do what you want. There hasn't been the balance that they've talked about uh, wanting to have. And, and so there's been a lot of things that have maybe prevented it, but uh, what we saw in training camp and back in the spring really hasn't shown itself too much offensively so far this season. And that's been really interesting to see as well. And that's why I wonder too, because a lot of fans I saw this past week were like, Jed Fish has to be fired, right? Which I was, they're not going to fire Jed Fish. I don't know if they could afford to fire him. I wouldn't want to fire him right now because going into the season, everyone knew it was going to take time. And maybe the honeymoon is over, but the grace period is not. So do you think maybe there's that he has that perspective of I'm going to be here another two, three, four years. I have time to install my system. I have time to do this the way I want to do it without having that pressure of this season. Because, yeah, we're all frustrated they lost to NAU. They shouldn't be 0-3. But no one was expecting them to be very good this season. So the fact that they're not very good isn't a surprise. So is Jed Fisher really taking advantage of that and saying, okay, I have time to build this the way I want to build this, even if it costs me a win or two this season? 
I think so. And I think the the reason you can do that is because you look at the other areas of the program that are that are improving, which is recruiting. You look at recruiting, there has been a marked uptick in the level of talent that they're bringing in. Obviously, we're now, you know, late September. There's still a little bit of time before December when everybody starts to sign. But if you can sign the group you have now and, and, and keep everyone intact, that's a clear uptick in, in the level of talent that will be coming to this program next year. A lot of those guys are going to end up coming at the midway point and joining the, the the program in January and being on campus for the spring. So um, that'll, you know, infuse some more talent onto this roster and give you some more uh, ability across the board. But I think you can buy yourself some time when you're recruiting at a high level, which they're not, you know, recruiting at the ultimate high level yet. But considering what they what they're working against right now, which is, you know, 0 and 15 in your last games to even have one four star prospect seems like a pretty monumental uh, thing for them. And they have three and I can't even remember the last time they had three in one class. So um, I think you can buy yourself some time because you are showing clear improvement in another area, which is recruiting, which is eventually what's going to get this program back to where it wants to be anyway. So um, I think he can always fall back on, hey, most of this roster I didn't recruit, I didn't bring here. Um, They're playing a lot of the guys that he did bring here. And a lot of those guys have had some success already. So um, I think he can point to that as well as, hey, look, look at the players I brought in and look at what they're doing right now. And so um, I, I think that's something that's going to benefit him. But, yeah, I think if anybody in the administration, anybody who had any role in making this decision thought, hey, he's going to come in and make this program a winning program in year one. I, I just think that you have the wrong mindset. I think Jed pretty much said that uh, after the San Diego State loss and mentioned it's going to be a process. And I think everyone understood it was going to be a process. So I think he understands he has time. Um it's when the losses start piling up, though, people get angry. Alums get angry. Uh, people who make decisions get angry. And, and that's when things can change. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where college football is not one of those professions where you get a ton of time to show what you can do. And I think, I, honestly, I think there were a lot of people who thought, hey, yes, we know it's bad. We know the roster's bad. We know this is not going to be good. But, hey, he's still going to get it done, right? And they just haven't seen that yet. To the, to the point of recruiting and the, the recruiting class that Arizona fans are all looking to longingly towards the future, um, I'd be curious to hear your perspective of how much of an impact does the on-the-field performance today impact the class that's going to sign at the early signing period in December? You know, Does this NAU loss hurt their ability to keep this class together? Does it have no impact? Does it maybe help where they can say, hey, plenty of great playing time still available? Um, I'd be curious to hear your uh, perspective on that, Matt. I I think it doesn't hurt as much as people think. I think that it's very hard for fans to to see things through a recruit's lens and not through the fan lens. And it's interesting because I I kind of alluded to Noah Fafita uh, during the last game with a tweet, kind of got some traction and, and obviously... I said, I mean, he there's you know, there's someone out there who's looking at this game who has to feel pretty good about his chances of, you know, stepping into this quarterback competition next year and saying, I have a very legitimate chance to play. Um, I think a lot of recruits are gonna be in that position where they look at what's gone on so far and say, Hey, I I'm quite frankly better than that guy that's in there right now that's, you know, playing for this team. And so I think a lot of the players in the class are really gravitating towards that. I think in speaking to some recruits, I think they're really leaning on um you know, I can come in and play right away. That feels like it's been the same story every year, every offseason when I've covered this team. That's kind of the first thing that comes out uh, when you talk to recruits is they they all say, I have a chance to play early there. And so 
Um, Harrison Taggart is a is a high level linebacker who just cut down his list to top five. Uh, UCLA, Arizona's in there. Utah, Oregon, um, and USC. And so Arizona is one of those schools that if you look at that list, that doesn't really fit with the rest. But when you hear what he has to say, it's I know I can come in and play right away, and that means a lot to someone like him. So I think a lot of the recruits in the class feel that same way, where they say. Maybe it's not the fit right now, or maybe it's not, you know, the best fit or um, the ideal situation to try and win a national championship. But my ultimate goal is I want to play. And if I go to these schools that are competing for national championships, I might not step on the field for three years. And so I think a lot of these players, they, they, a lot of these recruits, they want to play and they know they can play at a place like Arizona, especially now. So I don't think it hurts as much. Um, I am interested to see what happens if this continues and they do somehow i mean i guess maybe not somehow now maybe it's not as unrealistic you know have a winless season and you know they start to hear about it from their friends and say oh you're going to that school Did they even win a game they have a whatever you know a 20 something game losing streak you're really going to go there i think that would be the fear if you're jet fish but then that's when your recruiting has to kind of go into overtime and you say no you're going to help us turn that around and i think that's been the consistent message it feels like since he stepped on campus i think they set up recruits knowing hey this year is probably going to be pretty rough and uh, it's not going to be pretty what, what you're seeing out there when you come out on your visits and, you know, stop by the games or, you know, turn on the TV and watch the games. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty ugly at times. And so I think the message has been, hey, if you're a recruit, come help us do that and help us change that. And so I think that's been the message from from this coaching staff. And so a lot of recruits, I think, understand that, believe that. But it's always interesting to see the, oh, yeah, I'll be fine with that versus, oh, no, that's really happening. And the shift that kind of happens there with recruiting and there's times when you'll see you'll kind of notice recruits where go we we knew it was going to be kind of bad we didn't know it was going to be this bad and that's what you don't want to have you know if you're a program and so uh, there's a lot more recruiting i think that has to be done of the of the prospects that are already committed for arizona keeping them on board but i think it's not as bad as people would assume from the outside looking in that's got to be a little comforting to arizona fans then to hear that because yeah you watch this like who would want to go there and it's like they can play right away and if they believe in this coaching staff they believe in that vision for the future. I, I do think, though, when Arizona goes up to Eugene and beats number three Oregon this weekend, the whole narrative ch- – no, they're not beating Oregon. But, <laughs> like, from if, first, if somehow it happens. I like, watch them beat Oregon, right, for no reason at all. For some reason, it comes together. Oregon I, just trips all over themselves. And... Call, if, yeah, if I'm Jed Fish, I know who my first call would be if they happened to upset Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Does his name rhyme with T-Mac? <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. Imagine that. I think we could figure that out. Now, I – for Arizona, though, going forward, you mentioned they have nine games left, which some people might kind of go, oh, geez, they have nine games left. But, you know, Stanley Burial had some really strong quotes this week about going forward. I know Trayshawn Hayward's had some strong quotes about this. Just how do you how have you seen the team react to this? What is your what your opinion or your perspective of their mindset? Because, yeah, they've lost 15 straight games. Only three of those are under Jed Fish. You know, if they reset, if they reset things and it's only a three game losing streak, which that's not how it works. I get that. But this current team, the Jed Fish year one team with guys like Stanley Barry, Anthony Pandy, you know, some of these guys, Trevon Mason, you know, how are they looking at the rest of this season knowing that I guess technically they could still win the Pac-12, <laughs> like that goal is still out there, but realistically, like they got nine games to play. How are they approaching them? Do you think? Yeah, I think if there's one positive listening to the players talk this week and, and after the last game and after the last couple games, it's that they're still very much buying into what Jedfish is selling and, and, I've heard other players and other teams say similar things, but you can kind of read, you know, body language and get a sense of, hey, 
they don't really mean what they're saying. And and there's been moments where you say I can kind of pinpoint the moment where you could clearly see that hey these players are off, they're not on on board anymore and you know they're just kind of saying whatever they're saying but they're not on board with what's going on i haven't gotten that feeling from this group yet and it feels like there's con- some conviction in what they're saying and there is real belief i think in what the coaching staff is selling i mean defensively you know this team th- this defense has put this team in position to truthfully be two and one um if not for the offense and i think so i think on the defensive side of the ball they're kind of saying hey we don't have that much you know, of a change from last season in terms of the personnel. Yes, there's some new players at linebacker, but a lot of the players, you know, up front uh, in the secondary were all here last year. And so uh, I think they see, hey, this was the truth. You know, Coach Don Brown came in and said he's going to change things and make us more aggressive and, um, you know, do some different things to help, you know, put us in good position to to make plays. And so far they've done that. And so I think they see some truth to that. Um I think offensively, I think they, I think everyone understands that the quarterback position, if things were settled, it could pro- probably be in a, a lot better spot. So um, it's just the reality of the situation. So uh, I, I think I haven't seen that moment where you go, they're just saying things just to say things, and and they don't want to bash on their own program or anything like that. I, I still feel like there's some true conviction in what they're saying, and they understand, you know, this is a process, and um, I haven't seen, you know. That, that look of, hey, we're over this and we're ready to give up and ready to give in. So I think there is the positive element to that because there were times under the previous staff where I said, oh, he's lost his team and, and he just doesn't have these guys' attention anymore. I haven't gotten that sense yet. And so um, obviously I think the sooner a win can arrive for Arizona, I think the better. Um, I think that will really help, like I said, even if it comes delayed. I think at any point when they can get that win, I think it does kind of hit that reset button for everyone and say, okay, that – I think it'll be that mark between, okay, that was the past and this is kind of the future. And I think that's, it feels like that's how the team is approaching things right now. And so um, even though they're, you know, they're 0-3 under Jed Fish, I really do think internally with a lot of the players, they're kind of attributing all this to, you know, that was the old way of doing things. That was the old kind of staff. And so I think once they get that first win, whenever it comes, I really think they're going to, you know, try and build off that and really have the capability to build off that. So hopefully it comes soon. And if it has to wait till the last game of the season, I imagine Arizona fans will take that as well. But Matt Moreno, GoEasyCats.com. Appreciate the time. Is there anything you want to plug for this item? I know people can follow you on Twitter at Matt GoEasyCats, but anything people should be looking out for from you in the coming days? Oh, yeah. Or... Just, yeah, just check out GoEasyCats.com. Check out our YouTube channel. We're always trying to get more subscribers on there and you know, pump that up, all of our social media channels. Uh, and just check out GoEasyCats.com. We always have plenty of coverage of Arizona and you know basketball season starting up soon as well so we'll be pr- plenty busy so that basketball season there you go ending it on a high note so Matt Moreno crazycats.com appreciate the time thanks for joining us on Wildcat Radio 2.0 thanks for having me back guys all right and that's Matt Moreno we come back I guess we'll preview the Oregon game Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back. One more segment here. And, I mean, Arizona does play Oregon. Number three, Oregon. Um, the Pac-12's only hope this season, it looks like. Which means Arizona probably beats them and ruins everything. Um, now, I, I saw a tweet that Oregon's getting pretty much everyone healthy. Like, Anthony Brown, their quarterback, is like a full go. And Thibodeau, the defensive lineman, is like really close to being a full go. It's like... I imagine if people are even close, they're going to hold them out in this one. It's like, I, I, why? But it is, you know, a Pac-12 game, and you can't. I, you could probably sit these guys at halftime. I, I don't know. I, I can't. I think the line is up to 27, 28 right now, and that seems low. It doesn't seem high enough. Yeah, if if I'm a potential number one overall draft pick defensive lineman coming back from injury. I would not play more than a couple series in this game. And again, Arizona. the six sacks you might collect could vault you into the Heisman candidacy and to top five pick. Uh, I guarantee that. <laughs> I, if, 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 if six sacks against Arizona is what's getting you the Heisman or guaranteeing you a top five pick, I, I don't trust either process. That's fair. Um, you know, I, it's, I think, I think there's a, a couple of certainties we know from this that, well, I mean, Shows what we know the last couple yeah, weeks. We were certain about something last week, and we were very, very well. We weren't very wrong. We were just wrong. It was either right or wrong, and we were wrong. Oh, I, I am, I am confident we're getting smashed this weekend. Um, oh, also, yeah, I'm going to drink a lot during that. I was going to say yeah. also Arizona's going to probably <laughs> lose the football game. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I actually that spread is so ridiculous, and that Oregon's not going to care enough, and we'll see if if Arizona comes out with enough fight where I. Even, you know, I don't like to bet on the teams that I'm a fan of. Um, if I was an outsider looking and I'd be curious to, 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 to at least contemplate taking Arizona with that much of a spread. Um, but also the talent disparity is just so vast um, that it's so vast. There's so much uncertainty with the quarterback position and therefore the game plan. Um, you know, I think I actually my gut tells me. I don't, I don't I I think it's going to I think they're going to go in planning to play multiple quarterbacks and and see what comes of it because I also think if they put one guy in there and say you're the guy for the game they're going to set them up for to be a sacrificial lamb and right. not play. <laughs> I mean with the bye but, week coming up after this game it would make sense like if the only thing holding McLeod back from being the starter was his lack of experience in the offense you'd think now with the time since fall camp and you get the last few games and then the bye week he would finally be ready to ascend to the starting job if that's the only thing that's been holding him back, right? And after last week, it's you just say that he should be the guy. He had one drive against two drives against NAU. <laughs> you know, it's we can't. It's, yeah, it was a touchdown drive, the second one, and they almost led them back into the game. But it's still NAU, so you don't want to look and say, "Oh, he's got it figured out." Because again, NAU, and I say this as someone who, yes, I know NAU beat Arizona, but no matter we set up last week, no matter how good they would look, don't take too, you can't read too much into it. But certainly it seems like whoever does play is going to be sort of a sacrificial lamb. And do you want to sacrifice the guy who might, you know, the veteran who might be your best hope for wins? Do you want to sacrifice? I don't. There's no good option here because every one of these guys could be back next year to watch Noah Fafita. You know, every one of these guys, like you're going to need these guys probably. And and that's not to say that Oregon's going to win 75 to three. Like Arizona might be borderline competitive. Their defense has been solid. 
You know, they haven't played a team like Oregon, as talented as Oregon. But, you know, they might hang around and make it, I don't want to say competitive, but not the worst we've seen. But, yeah, offensively, what's Arizona going to do? You know, the offensive line is not going to magically get better from last week, which means the quarterbacks are going to have a hard time, which means the receiver, like, nothing should work offensively. And it just looks like it, it just sets up to be ugly. You know, ugly yeah. football, ugly loss. I mean, Arizona's best offense in this game is going to be a great Arizona defense. Um, and if there was a time for them to force a few turnovers with the aggression and go for broke on, on you know, boomer bust plays, you know, what do you have to lose against Oregon? Yeah. And if they're going to be competitive, it's going to be dependent on that. And honestly, it's the thing I'm going to be probably like the low key thing I'm most curious to see. Arizona's defense has performed reasonably well through three games. Um, but I don't, I, I, you know, no offense to BYU or San Diego State or the powerhouse that is NAU. Best team uh, in the state. They're not, Only they're Arizona not, team to win not, last yeah. weekend. They're, yeah, they're not the talent level that Oregon has, but Oregon's also going to come in not taking Arizona seriously and probably run a vanilla playbook and, think. And, and the like. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm very, I'm going to be watching for how the defense performs against a talented offense it's probably not giving their best effort uh, or running their most complex playbook, but I think that should allow them maybe the opportunity to at least kind of throw some punches at Oregon and at least earn a little bit of respect, um, you know, on national TV, which of course Arizona is going to be playing this game on national TV and not the PAC 12 network national TV. That's seen <laughs> by 17 people. Um, and then, but, but, but honestly, I'm not sure if it matters which quarterback is playing, I think the playbook needs to be pared down, whether it's Jordan McLeod or otherwise, because the, the two younger guys have not proven the ability to handle the playbook. And if none of your three quarterbacks can handle all those plays, why are you running all those plays? It's not setting any of them up for success, let alone the offensive line or receivers or running backs. Um, and I'm curious to see if there is, if, if that happens I'm horrified at the notion of the offensive line. I just assume that's going to be a complete disaster, but I'm, I'm cautiously hopeful to see some progress in terms of coaching. Like we talked about before we talked to uh, Matt Moreno, um, you know, can you get tight ends more involved? Can you do it? Does a pared down playbook make the quarterback see the open tight end more often if it's, if, and when it's there, and how do you, how do you set guys up for success? And I'm not sure unless the offensive line gets better. I'm not sure any of it matters. You know, you could drop <laughs> the best plays ever, but if the offensive line can't block, like you have the best designed running plays, but they can't open holes. If you have the best designed passing plays, and there's only so many things you can do to counteract an offensive line that struggles. What what I'm interested to see is is it so much like that? It's, I'm interested to see the effort. You know, like Matt Ryan said, he doesn't think this team is like that. They that they really are just like still believe in this coaching staff, and I would hope they don't quit after three games, but. How how into it are these players? I mean, this is a chance. Like, yeah, it's Oregon number three. Like, it's a it's a big game for them. If you win this game, you erase whatever happened the previous three weeks, right? Like, you can lose to NAU and beat Oregon, and that's a signature win right there. <laughs> you know? Like, that's noteworthy. A national TV win against a top-five team on the road, like, that's huge if you can do it, especially given how they're nowhere near expected to pull off the win. But if they come out and play hard and play somewhat competently against a clearly superiorly talented team, then I'll feel okay about whatever happens. That's what I'm curious. It's not, it's not really anything attached to how well the plays work. You know, the defense, I think, eventually will break. 
even if they're doing the whole, you know, boomer bust type defense, it'll be bust at times because we're going to pick up the blitzes. We're going to get guys open downfield. You know, Mo Diallo is not going to play the first half of the game. Jackson Turner is not going to play the first half of the game. It's two starters. You're down in the first half hour, the first you know two quarters because of their ejections for targeting last week. I, I don't expect Arizona to be that competitive. I don't think the coaching can do much about that. I just want to see the players have effort. I want to see them still be in it and still try hard because you couldn't question their effort for the last three weeks, even against NAU. Like they, they still played hard till the end, <laughs> you know, San Diego state, they played hard. So as long as that continues, I'll be okay. But I don't expect them to win. And I don't know if there's much the coaches can do to scheme around the severe lack of talent that they're going to have Saturday. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm sitting here trying to think of a way to try to think of a fun question to ask you about the game, Adam. And the best I can come up with is kind of a, a misery question. Which number is higher, the number of quarterbacks Arizona plays on offense or the number of sacks generated by the Arizona defense? Hmm. That's a good betting line. I, I'm going to say so. quarterbacks played. <laughs> I think you're probably right. <laughs> and it might only be two. It might only be one. Who knows? But we'll see. <laughs> you know? But Arizona does play Oregon. Like, the game is going to happen. Got <laughs> Autzen Stadium. Arizona has won there before. You know, but that's how they open up Pac-12 play. The game is 7.30 p.m. Arizona time. Um, you can watch it on ESPN, of course. So... You know, if you're glutton for punishment or just want to watch the first year of hopefully an era that is getting off to a rocky start but has a brighter future, maybe. On, on the plus side, anytime Arizona plays on ESPN, we're going to miss most of the first quarter. So we won't have our hopes uh, up by the time we actually go to the live feed. There you go. So well, where are we at? Well, thanks to Matt Moreno, goazycats.com, for joining us and sharing his insight on the team. Of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, make sure you rate us and leave us a review because if you leave us a review, we will read it on the air and react to it. Brett, you said there's some new reviews, which is it could be good. Like, what do we have here? There, there are two reviews, plural, Adam. The first one I will read is from Da Head. Uh, Mr. Head is his father. Call him Duh. Uh, his he gives a three star review, no, which I bad. think makes which I think makes sense in context. Uh, he says Adam's mic is almost always too quiet, and Brett's much louder. Listening to this in the car on the highway almost every show, I am constantly turning the volume up and down to hear everything properly, especially when there's a guest, and that volume is different than the two hosts. Please mix the sound better to make both mics more even and level. Three stars. Oh, that's totally Brett's fault. My mic is the right level. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is, I think it's just your mic fighting back because you have a very loud speaking voice, Adam. <laughs> and it's been and it's it's now uh, been deafened a little bit. No, but I think, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I think I think the head has a fair point, And part of this has been the challenge for us of recording in a pandemic and remotely and especially with guests. And we will try to do better. But it's hard on a low budget. Yeah, no, that, that's what it is. Like it's we're we're not technologically challenged, 
but we don't exactly have the absolute best equipment. We don't have a you know board op tech director to manage our levels. We we test everything ahead of time, and it always looks pretty good. But then, you know, the show starts, and apparently things go south. So we appreciate the feedback. We will work to get better at that and do the best we can with what we got. But thank you for listening, of course. And sorry if like you're changing the the volume all the time while you're on the road. Like, don't do that. That sounds kind of dangerous. All right, <laughs> Mister Head or Duh. Head. Be safe out there on the road. All right. So our other review this week to read is from David Healy uh, with the heading of uh, or title of great podcast for Arizona fans, which I already like where this is heading. I really enjoy the work that Adam and Brett do on the show. What I like most are the honest assessments that both the hosts give. They are fans, but not homers. And that is greatly appreciated. I also like how they bring in guests from both media and competitive media markets to give a sense of other teams. I haven't seen many other many Arizona pod, podcasts that do that, and the recent BYU episode was great to hear more about the competition. Keep up the work, uh, keep up the great work, and a bear down. Five stars from David Healy. Thanks, thank David. you, David. Yeah, of course. Like we do try to get people on to talk about Arizona's opponents. We decided to forego that this week because we. We were of the belief that most people weren't going to be too concerned about Oregon and more wanted to take a look inward at Arizona, especially after that disaster against NAU. But hopefully down the road, if things get a little bit better for Arizona, we will try to bring more guests on to talk about their opponents, at least when we feel like the opponent matters. <laughs> like when, when the game itself matters, the competitive nature of it matters, we'll bring people on to discuss those teams because, yeah, we don't know the opponents nearly as well as we know Arizona. So we don't want to pretend. It's not what we're about. No, we certainly didn't bring the uh, optimistic Homer takes too often tonight either. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> so. So I think we're, I think we're living, living up to or down to that expect, expectation. But but thank you for the kind review and for listening, of course, and everyone else. Again, we appreciate you listening. Thank you, and yeah, leave us a review on iTunes. Rate us, subscribe, do all those things, and we will read that review on the air. So, yeah, Arizona. Plays a football game this weekend. Um, basketball season's getting a little bit closer. We'll talk about we'll talk about the Oregon game next week, and hopefully other things that happen that are good because we like to talk about nice things. We think Arizona deserves nice things every now and then. Maybe next week. Yeah. Uh, but until then, everyone, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>